Do you love leading but hate all the stress it can bring? Being in a leadership role shouldn't ruin your life. You just need a guide to show you how to prevent those leadership fires before they start. And I am so excited to tell you that I've created the survival guide course you need to learn how to not only survive leadership, but thrive in leadership. And I even give you a workbook full of templates that you can plug and play at work tomorrow. So stop letting leadership stress get the best of you and enroll in my Leadership on the Rocks Survival Guide course today by clicking on the link in the show notes or by going to my website, leadershipontherocks.com and clicking the Enroll Now button. Again, that's leadershipontherocks.com and click the Enroll button. I'll see you in the course. your team, and even your bosses cannot stay in a state of chaos and stress for very long without it doing real damage to you, them, and everyone's families. But you also don't have to jump from the plane without a parachute either. There is hope. I've lived it. And this podcast is actually the result of the lessons learned from those incredible hard times. Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese, and in today's episode, we're going to continue learning how to lead through organizational chaos by discussing the third area in which you can make a positive impact no matter your current title the third domain of culture. If you're currently working in a chaotic and dysfunctional organization, then what you and your coworkers need right now is a huge dose of inspiration and hope. Hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Hope that relief from the chaos is coming. Hope that the reward on the other side of the battle will be worth it. To understand why people need hope, let's turn to President Snow from The Hunger Games. Why do we have a winner? I mean, if we just wanted to intimidate the districts, why not round up 24 of them at random and execute them all at once? Be a lot faster. Hope. 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 It is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective. A lot of hope is dangerous. Hope is the feeling of expectation that something is going to happen. Hope isn't nice words or an empty promise. Hope is a trust and an assurance. Hope is the only thing stronger than fear. And fear is what people have if their organizational plane is going through chaotic turbulence or is in a nosedive. To lead through organizational chaos, you need to fight fear by providing hope. Fear and a lack of hope is what is causing people to jump from the plane. A lack of hope is the strong voice that is calling out to you and your coworkers saying, jump! (laughs) And the thought of jumping from our organizational airplane, whether we have a parachute or not, is where many employees and even leaders find themselves during chaotic and turbulent times. 
<laughs> and I know this desire to jump from chaos and turbulence all too well. I know what it's like to want relief from the stress and the chaos so bad that you're willing to jump without a parachute, even without another job to go to, even if it puts your family in debt. Now, usually in times of stress, I would consider myself a bouncy ball, you know, not only in shape, but also in the ability to shake things off and move forward. However, after a few months of continued stress, my mind and my body completely crashed and burned. My body started to react. My eyes were twitching. I had major neck pain. I had terrible stomach issues, shakiness, insomnia, you name it, and I probably had it. My mind couldn't think clearly. I had a major lack of focus. I even lost my words, my vocabulary, y'all. I'd be in mid-conversation and couldn't think of a simple word. I had decreased creativity and decreased problem solving, which is what I needed most in that time period. I was mad all the time because of the chaos that I was having to live in and work through. And I felt I no longer had the energy or even the mental capacity to be productive at work or be present with my family. Because of the constant chaos and stress, y'all, I began isolating myself from my loved ones because I didn't want to have to talk or deal with any more people or problems. The essence of who I was in spirit and personality felt like it was beginning to die off along with my physical health. My mind my body, my marriage, and my relationship with my kids all suffered, all because of the stress that the chaos at work created. Can I get an amen from somebody out in the audience? (laughs) Is there anybody out there who is feeling all those things that I felt because of the chaos and stress in your organization right now? Okay, hear me out. You, your coworkers, your team, and even your bosses cannot stay in this state of chaos and stress for very long without it doing real damage to you, them, and everybody's families. But you also don't have to jump from the plane without a parachute either. There is hope. I've lived it. And this podcast is the result of the lessons I've learned from those incredible hard times. It is important to know that I didn't stay in that state of mental and physical burnout, and you don't have to either. There is a way out of the stress that a chaotic organization can cause. Now, in episode 28, we learned about the first two areas that you need to lead through in order to make a positive impact on yourself and others. In episode 28, we started analyzing how you can help your organization go from chaos in a nosedive to positive results that are soaring high in the right direction, no matter your current title within the organization. Because here's the truth of the matter. (laughs) Whether it's the current state of our economy, the aftermath of the pandemic, or just bad leadership, a lot of us are experiencing what feels like absolute chaos in our places of work. And we're reaching a point where we just can't take it anymore. But when you dread going to work each day because of the chaos and the stress that it adds to your life, or if you live in fear that you're going to be laid off, it becomes hard to even get out of bed in the mornings. Your motivation is sucked out of you. This level of stress can literally change everything about you, from your physical and mental health to your relationships outside of work, 
and even your personality. So the first area that we learned about to lead in was the domain of self. You have to put the oxygen mask on yourself so you can get oxygen flowing again to your heart and mine. Without oxygen, you'll start suffocating and you'll be no good in leading your organization, making rational decisions, and plus, you'll just negatively impact your family as well. And you don't want that. Also, in the last episode, you learned that we need to remind ourselves of our identity, our purpose, and our skills. All of those are bigger than our current title and paycheck. You learned how to zoom out and reframe your thoughts against the chaotic situations so that you're able to respond and not react with big emotions or actions. And you learned how to wash off the workday before going home and engaging with your family. So if you haven't listened to episode 28, go back now (laughs) because you have to start with leading yourself first. Now, the second area or domain that we also learned about was leading in relationships. You have to be able to help other people put their oxygen masks on as well. You learn that you need to provide support for your team by creating a format or a platform to safely share their frustrations. You learn that you need to empathetically listen and encourage your fellow team members. (laughs) And when the time is right, use the opportunity to coach them in leadership so that they can in turn help others with their oxygen masks. And you also learned about the three warnings. Don't forget about the three warnings. (laughs) One, don't feel the need to own or solve the problem in the moment. Two, structure the support so it doesn't take more time than it needs. And three, always speak in such a way that when your words are repeated, you are not ashamed of them. In today's episode, We're going to continue learning how to lead through organizational chaos by discussing the third area in which you can make a positive impact no matter your current title. Today, we're going to talk about leading the culture of your team or organization. So let's get started. At this point, the work environment is still full of chaos, but you have a leadership mindset about it now where you can reassure yourself of your identity and purpose, reframe your thoughts to keep them from spiraling so you can respond. And you can also just personally wash off the workday before engaging with your family. You have been able to lead in the domain of self. Congratulations. (laughs) And that is actually going to spill over into your relationships. Unfortunately, (laughs) your personal epiphanies and boundaries of the mind don't actually fix the organizational chaos at large. (laughs) So at this point, the work environment is still full of chaos, but you now know how to lead in your relationships by providing your team a safe platform to share their frustrations about the chaos. And at this point, all of this sharing of frustrations has actually given you major insight into what the organization's biggest problems really are. But before you can go around developing strategies or even scheduling meetings to share those insights with executives, (laughs) who at this point may be acting like the emperor with new clothes, running around butt naked and thinking their stuff don't stink. But before you can lead up to speak truth about the organization, you have to lead through the third area, the domain of culture. Because culture will always eat strategy. If you don't work on the culture, 
before you talk about or roll out the strategy, you'll be doing a lot of work for very little return. Culture eats strategy. So the third area you can lead through to make a positive impact in helping your organization go from chaos to recovery and from recovery to results despite a lack of leadership at the upper levels is through the domain of culture. So step three is to rally the culture or rally the group. And there's really three things to pay attention to when it comes to culture. That's the collective beliefs, core values, and the actions of the group. And in your organization, it's going to take strong leadership or influence from you and your peers to turn around a negative culture. Your gravitational pull of positive influence must become greater than the negative forces working against it. So how can you be a part of restoring a positive work culture? Remember that culture is the collective behaviors, common language, stories, traditions, and celebrations within your group of people. And a chaotic work culture is chaotic because there's no leadership in clearly defining the beliefs, the values, and the actions of the group. When people are left to wander around without quality leadership and structure, chaos and overwhelm will ensue. But I wanna remind you again that leadership is not a title. It's a level of influence. So it doesn't matter what your title is within your current chaotic organization, you still have influence and you can influence the culture. So think about any sports or battle movie you've ever seen. I mean, seriously, think about Rudy, Remembering the Titans, 300, Creed, Field of Dreams, The Karate Kid, The Sandlot, any of them, right? Any sports or battle movie that you've watched. And remember the one scene where the team or the person or the army, they're down, they're feeling defeated, but then a teammate, a member, a leader steps up and gives a motivational speech that lights a freaking fire under everybody because they help everybody remember who they are and their why behind their what. Their speech gives hope and motivates everyone to continue to fight for the win. So if you don't work for a leader that is helping people remember who they are and their why behind their what, then you, oh yes, you, my friend, <laughs> need to step up and be that person that speaks up and speaks life over the group. Rally the group around a common cause. Now, here's an example of what I mean. Will you fight? No! We will run! And we will live! Shame on you! This could be the greatest night of our lives. You're gonna let it be the worst. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. Well, I'm not going home. We've got too far! And I'm gonna stay right here and fight for this lost cause. A day may come when the courage of men fails. But it is not this day. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. You're gonna work harder than you ever worked before. But that's fine, we'll just get tougher with it. If a person grits his teeth and shows real determination. Failure is not an option. That's how winning is done. Believe me when I say we can break this army here. And win just one for the Gipper. 
Oh, how I love this YouTube video by Matthew Belinky. It shares 40 inspirational speeches from famous movies in just two minutes. In each example, there's a group of people that are ready to quit because they're tired of the fight. But one, yes, one individual stood up and reminded them of who they are, what their purpose is, and it gave them hope for a better future. And you, my friend, can be that person, no matter your title. Now, just an FYI, the link to that video is in the reference in the show notes if you'd like to watch all of it. It's a fabulous video. Now, to re-energize a culture, you need to start with seeking coherence among the team first. So what is coherence? According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, coherence is the, quote, integration of diverse elements, relationships, or values. Uh, Say what now? (laughs) That was a big definition, so I like the image that authors Michael Fullan and Joanne Quinn explain in their book called Coherence. They say that the image of coherence has to do with making sense of, sticking together, and connecting with the purpose and the nature of the work. So let me say that again. Coherence is about making sense of, sticking together in, and connecting with the purpose and the nature of the work. In other words, it's being on the same page, or (laughs) as my husband says, at least somewhere in the same chapter or the same book. (laughs) Seeking coherence is taking action that gets everybody aligned to and rallying around the common purpose, beliefs, values, and actions. While Fullen and Quinn acknowledge that coherence is actually very difficult to accomplish under conditions of overload, fragmentation, and policy churn, and yes, they should get an amen from all the dysfunctional and chaotic organizations out there, but (laughs) they do continue on to say that it is possible through purposeful action and interaction to achieve coherence. And I agree with them. We can change cultures for the good when we get a group to rally around aligned purposes, beliefs, values, and actions. More than likely, though, the problem is that none of those have been clearly defined by your organization. Again, chaos is a product of a lack of structure. And a chaotic culture is a product of a lack of definition in who we are, why we exist, and how we work. Without proactive structure and definitions of the culture, there will be chaos. And when companies, teams, or people in general are in a crisis or chaotic situation, they can easily adopt a mob mentality where they either don't know or they forget who they are, what they're about, and even how to behave. Now, let me explain the mob mentality. The mob mentality at work may not have your employees gathering their torches and pitchforks and storming executives' offices. No, probably not these days. But these days, the mob mentality looks more like a toxic virus spreading within cultures of organizations. And its most recent offspring, y'all, is called quiet quitting. Now, according to Entree Leadership, quiet quitting is defined as employees disengaging from their work or doing the bare minimum to not get fired. So think of a George Costanza from Seinfeld or a Creed or even a Michael Scott from The Office. They show up, don't do much work, stay under the radar, and still get the same paycheck everybody else does. 
That sucks. <laughs> the quiet quitting culture is spreading quickly in our cultures of chaotic organizations. People can't see why they should give more to help the organization through tough times, so they justify their disengagement by making statements like, I don't get paid for this, or I don't get paid enough to deal with that. Now, Entree Leadership called this acting their wage. I love that term. <laughs> Seriously, just start watching some random TikTok videos of people in their work environments where they're recording these videos, and you're going to see a ton of evidence of the growing, quiet, quitting culture. Chaotic organizations with negative work cultures cause two major effects. First, they breed passive-aggressive and immature employees who quiet quit. And second, they create a mass exodus of high-potential employees. Mark my words, y'all. If leaders don't fix the work culture first by defining the beliefs, values, and actions of the group, and second, by nipping ineffective employees in the bud, they will lose all of their top talent. High-potential employees are labeled as high-potential because they work at a higher level of production and quality than their peers. But here's the thing about top talent employees. They will not stay and work under ineffective leadership and in a bad work culture because they know better. <laughs> I guarantee it every time. They won't stand for getting the same paycheck as Joe Schmo over there who does nothing. They won't continue to subject themselves to an environment of chaos, disrespect, and insecurity. So picture this. All right, your organization is an island that is sinking in chaos, and you need to get everybody off the island and onto a new, more defined and safe island. But that requires a transition period of going over a long and difficult bridge. But during the transition over the bridge, if you don't have the guardrails and signs up on the road <laughs> that clearly define and guide the route, and if the negative and passive-aggressive drivers aren't addressed along the way, Organizations are going to see three things. First, crazy employees. Some stressed out, crazy employees will start driving off the deep end and making the most dumb and dangerous decisions. Second, high-performing employees will start high-tailing it out of there and never be heard from again. And third, the quiet quitters or the ineffective employees, they're going to stay. They're going to stay under the radar and they're going to be the ones staying with you on that new island. So by the time your organization completes that transition of going over that long bridge of transition, most likely what you'll have left are the ineffective employees to rebuild upon. When the high bar of production and behavior is removed because one, your cultural beliefs, values, and behaviors aren't clearly defined or people aren't held accountable to them, and two, because your top talent who modeled them are leaving, what organizations are left with is more ineffective employees and leaders, which will keep feeding the chaos monster already growing in the organization. In other words, you are taking the disease from the sinking island with you to the new island, and you'll be repeating the same problems over and over and over again. So on a side note here, I believe the world is watching this happen before our very eyes with the mass exodus of teachers from our educational institutions. The culture of quiet quitting is growing rapidly among teachers and top quality and master teachers are leaving in droves because they refuse 
to continue to work in cultures of chaos, negativity, disrespect, and politics. Now, there's a whole movement called hashtag transitioning teachers. This mass exodus of teachers is causing a teacher shortage. And now, institutions are having to lower their standards of certifications to get warm bodies in the classrooms to teach your children. This is the type of slippery slope or downward spiral that I'm talking about, y'all, if leaders don't step into the chaos of the culture and work to stop it. You have to stop the downward spiral of culture, and it takes very strong influence and leadership. So in this example of the public school system, what I mean is it's going to take very strong leadership at the campus level to change the school culture in order to keep their top talent. And again, leadership is influence. I'm not necessarily talking about the principal. Teachers have influence. So if you've been putting the oxygen mask on yourself and others through individual relationships, how the heck do you get a culture or a group to calm down long enough to take a breath, come together for a common purpose, and collectively take one step forward? Now, for a moment here, I want to tap back into what we've been learning about psychology and leadership on this podcast. We've learned that our thoughts lead to our emotions, which lead to our actions. But I want to expand that simple concept with a quote from Gandhi. Gandhi was a leader in India's nonviolent independence movement in the early 1900s, and he has a ton of quotes that are just so good. So in this quote, he says, your beliefs become your thoughts and your thoughts become your words and your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. If you want to help change the culture of the organization, you have to start with a big picture belief system of culture. But I also want to be very clear here. I'm not referring to faith-based belief systems, but a work culture belief system of who we are, why we exist, and how we work. The culture needs a clear definition or picture, if you will, of who the company is as an organization, what the purpose is, and what the expectations are for working. Now, many of you out there are saying, whoa, 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 Bethany, I'm just an individual contributor or a department lead or a lower level leader. I can't determine what our company culture is. Okay, sure. You're not going to define and write beliefs and core values that are going to be posted on your company's website, but you can start the conversations for your team or your department. I want you to think for a second of any painting that you've ever seen, um, hung on a wall or maybe in a museum. All right, think of the painting. The artists had an idea of what they wanted to create. They had an idea of the big picture concept, but you know how they created it. One brushstroke at a time. One interaction at a time between the brush and the canvas is what created that masterpiece. So never underestimate the power that one individual can have on an entire culture. One tiny pebble can keep a boulder from rolling down the hill if it's leveraged just right. And in a chaotic culture, you need positive leverage. You need hope. So yes, you, one person, even a follower, can start a movement in a culture. Now, in the show notes, there is another great YouTube video about uh, the phenomenon of the first follower in leadership. It's not the first leader that actually creates the movement, but the first follower that creates a movement. So find a friend and one of you be the leader and the other be the first follower and make change happen. But be warned, 
the one person and the first follower phenomenon can work in a negative way too. And it may not be the people themselves, but the positive or negative vibes that they represent that either keeps the boulder from rolling down the hill or (laughs) being the last straw that pushes it down. In John Gordon's book, The Energy Bus, he talks about feeding the positive dog and removing the energy vampires or those that drain your energy. If you haven't read The Energy Bus, I highly recommend it, y'all. It is a very short and quick read, and it's written in a fable format, so it's really easy to digest the leadership nuggets of wisdom. Now, a short summary of the story of the positive dog found in The Energy Bus book is really that we all have two dogs fighting inside of us. We have a positive dog and a negative dog. So which dog is going to win? Well, the answer is the one that wins is the one that you feed the most. So feed the positive dog. And don't waste time and stress on energy vampires that want to suck all the energy and positivity out of the culture. Yes, be kind. But don't give them a platform to speak from. And bosses out there, listen to me. It is your job to get those energy vampires motivated and growing so that they transform. Or you need to kick them to the curb, get them off your bus if they don't. That's on you. Now, going back to all individuals who have no, you know, specific authority. Your goal is to focus on beliefs, values, and actions to help you and your team define, coach, and defend those beliefs, values, and actions of the team. Again, that's define, coach, and defend the culture that you want. Define what the beliefs and values are. Coach on the actions that actually live out those beliefs and values. And then defend the line by holding people accountable to those cultural norms. A great strategy for positively impacting culture is to start with table talks before moving to megaphones. So this concept means that You just need to start having the right conversations about the right things that move your culture and work in the right direction. And you need to start these conversations with those already sitting at your table, those that you already interact with on a regular basis. As the light from that table talk grows brighter with positivity, your team will then have more opportunities to step up to the megaphone to share your positive culture and ways of working with others. So how do you start table talks? Well, (laughs) just ask your team to collaborate on defining cultural norms for the way the team is going to work together by defining what is in your team's circle of influence and work. Define your team's cultural norms. And then as a smaller team, you can at least have clarity and hold each other accountable to those beliefs and values and actions. You and your team can develop mantras to rally around to motivate you, and to hold you accountable. Remember, I love mantras. (laughs) Mantras are those easy-to-remember statements or phrases, but they stand for a larger concept that's going to anchor everybody's thinking, interactions, and their way of working within the culture. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of mantras to help remind people of who they are, what value they add, and how they work and interact. So some examples I've used, and most of these I've heard from other people or companies, are people like us do things like this. That mantra comes from Seth Godin. It's my pleasure. Yeah, that one comes from Chick-fil-A. From me to we. 
Yeah, that's pretty much every sports team ever says that one. We do the right thing until we feel the right thing. Not sure where I heard that, but I've been saying it my whole life. What about this one? Excellence in blocking and tackling. I heard that one actually from my husband's boss who is like, fundamentals only. That's what we care about. Fundamentals only. Excellence in blocking and tackling. (laughs) It was awesome. Now, everyone leaves our presence with their dignity intact. That one came from my previous boss. I love it. Everybody leaves our presence with their dignity intact. All right, here's another one. You can develop a specific team one-liner. We are blank and we do blank. Just anchors your work, anchors your mindset on what your main goal is. So you and your team can schedule time to talk about mantras, to help anchor your thoughts, your interactions, your work, define, coach, and defend those. Now, on a side note, you can also just schedule your own celebrations, schedule your own happy hours, or schedule collaborative sessions where you're able to share the workload. You and your team can share knowledge and tidbits of wisdom to make your work more efficient and effective. You don't need a good boss for that. And you can just cheer each other on by reminding each other to reframe their day and to develop those rally cries during hardships. You can ask, what can we control? Hey guys, how can we be a part of the solution? Or if Bethany's starting to freak out in a meeting, Bethany, remember, rocks over sand. Don't let the sand problem chafe you. (laughs) You can remind each other of the team's pact that we will continue to be the change we want to see. And as people start repeating themselves, you're going to start laughing and being a little sarcastic with them. But the statements are still true and they're still going to anchor everybody's thoughts. Here's another one. When our work feels overwhelming, we'll remind each other of this phrase. At the end of the day, we will blank, blank, and blank. (laughs) I loved that one. With the blanks referring to your big three essential rocks of what you do, I use this phrase so much in education during the pandemic. I said it so many times. At the end of the day, our kids will be safe, they will be loved, and they will learn something. (laughs) It anchors everybody's stresses. Now, I do have another one. Um, I'm not sure it's appropriate. I actually heard it from Dave Ramsey, but It's taking the pile of crap and spreading it around to grow something beautiful because sometimes your organization is just piling on the crap. And so that's another phrase you can say. We're going to take this pile of crap, spread it around and grow something beautiful. The goal is to develop and anchor uh, the culture around those positive mantras. Turn the conversation. So your team will probably be asked to share all these positive vibes that you're experiencing. So When you get the opportunity to have even bigger table talks or even have a megaphone moment where you communicate and collaborate with other teams to grow your positive influence, that's how you're going to impact the culture at large. But start with the culture of your team. And you can do all of these positive cultural things without, again, without the leadership of a boss. Now, for those specifically in a leadership role or position where you have some authority, You know, I want to talk to you for just a second, because when it comes to rallying the culture to move forward and battle against chaos beyond creating mantras to reestablish the group's core values and beliefs in their way of working, it's imperative that you as a leader take and model two more positive actions towards progress if you're leading in a dysfunctional organization. So if you are in a role where you have some authority, first, communicate, communicate, communicate 
communicate. (laughs) Communication is almost like the oxygen every relationship needs to breathe to survive. So every interaction should focus on communication. And clarity in proactive communication can really help you avoid a lot of extra problems. Extra problems in a situation of a chaotic organization. So support your people. Provide them clarity. Because people always want to know, what's going on? How does it affect me? So be proactive in supporting people by communicating what you know. Be clear in defining the line of the identity of the group and what value they add to the company and how the entire team is expected to behave and interact with each other. And as you think about how you'll communicate with your team, give them status updates or clarify things. And you can use the phrase, the truth is I know it now. When you work in a chaotic organization because of a lack of or bad upper-level leadership or executive leadership, then honestly, you're probably dealing with a ton of non-existent or misinformation and decision changes. When there's no cohesive team at the top, the entire organization suffers. So communicate what you know, but with the framework of the truth as I know it now. No matter what, though, don't ever leave people in suspense by not communicating at all. Because trust me, they're gonna get really creative with their storytelling and rumors are gonna start to fly. So communicate often and use the phrase if you have to, the truth is I know it now. Now, the second action for leaders specifically in a leadership role where you have authority, you need to coach. The more you can equip your teams with leadership skills, the more they're going to be empowered to lead themselves and their coworkers in times of chaos to make a real positive impact. If your organization is losing the battle, <laughs> then start building more armies and allies. Coach others on the Eight Essential Rocks framework and then model it. Don't react, but respond. Model how to talk and bring ideas for solutions to the problem and not just the problem itself. Ask for feedback about yourself and your leadership and build a safe environment to then give feedback to others. Be vulnerable and use examples of what you're learning through the current hard situations. Encourage work-life harmony for your team. And for the love of Pete, stop pinging each other with emails and texts outside the workday. And most importantly, in the coaching action, find, (laughs) seriously, Find and coach the quiet quitters in your team and your culture. If you don't quickly have them become motivated and you deem them as energy vampires, you need to remove them from your organizational plane or by golly, they are going to help bring the whole thing down. Get rid of energy vampires and quiet quitters. Now, to recap step three of leading through organizational chaos, you must turn the negative culture by feeding your own positive dog, and then by building positive coherence or connection among the group. Meaning you need to rally the group around a clear purpose and definition of who we are, why we exist, and how we work. And this can be done by one individual striking up the right conversations about the right things that move your culture and work in the right direction. And you need to start these conversations with those already sitting at your table. People need hope to overcome the fear they feel. So give them hope of a better future by clearly defining, coaching, and defending. 
the beliefs, values, and actions of the group within your circle of influence. Develop mantras that keep the team focused, encouraged, and accountable. Through your table talk discussions, you will begin to build cultural momentum, gravitational force, and positive light to draw people away from fear and jumping out of the plane and back to the hope of building something amazing. People in official leadership positions need to focus on two additional actions, communication and coaching. That includes communicating the truth as I know it now (laughs) and then coaching others on leadership with the bonus action of removing the quiet quitters and the energy vampires. To recap leading through organizational chaos, step one is to put the oxygen mask on yourself in the domain of self. Step two is to put the oxygen mask on others in the domain of relationships. Step three is to rally the group around a common cause in the domain of culture. To rally the group, you can be the positive voice at the table, inspiring hope over fear. You can lead the conversations in defining and reminding your coworkers of who they are, what their purpose is, and how you will work together to overcome the chaos. You can be the leader of influence to help define, coach, and defend the group's beliefs, values, and actions around the common cause. You can be the hero on a mission that helps save the day by speaking up with those inspiring mantras to help everybody just keep going. If you're in a leadership position with authority, then in addition to rallying the culture of the troops, you need to focus on communicating clearly and often, as well as coaching others in leadership to equip and empower them to become part of the solution. You will also need to find and coach, and if need be, remove the quiet quitters and energy vampires from the culture. One individual can change a culture, and that one individual is you. So speak up at the table and inspire hope. Until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint.